everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Shit Podcast. This is episode 78. Uh, today, I am talking to Chief Murphy. Uh, he's an MAC that you may or may not have seen on social media. Um, and he's behind the campaign that uh, is t- it's a hashtag slash uh, brand that he's, he's creating. Uh, and it's called No Fat Chiefs. So... <laughs> I first saw it and thought it was kind of a joke. Somebody was trolling chiefs or whatever. And then I looked into it and realized he was a chief and then looked into it further and thought there was something interesting worth talking about there. So when you're listening, keep in mind a couple of things. One, this is a tool, right? So the idea uh, that he has, it's a tool that won't work for everyone. And we talk about that a little bit. Um, And that also the understanding going in is that using this terminology can turn some people off for obvious reasons and that's understood and it's also okay because the the word choices he uses are intentional uh and he wants it to feel like you're being confronted and you're made uncomfortable by a thing that isn't necessarily negative but it's it's something that needs to be addressed and we talk about the the hows and whys of all those things there's nuance to it so just keep that in mind uh and stay stay open-minded while you're listening to his intent and the things that he's doing um, because at the end of the day I think it's a net gain for a lot of people and I think what he's trying to do is coming from a great place and he's he's definitely doing some great things again it's not going to be for everybody and he even he knows that admits that we talk about it um, but at the same time um, it's definitely something that works for some people and it's something I respond to you know in a way where it's like when I have a problem, I feel like I need to get confronted and called out on it. And th- this is kind of the, the motivation that he has for, for coming from the place that he is and doing what he's doing. But I thought it was interesting. It was definitely different. Um, and it's a little controversial probably, but I thought it was definitely worth talking about. And I had a great time uh, talking to Chief Murphy. So check it out. So, yeah, like we talked about, man, uh, just start with kind of your background and, and who you are, what you do kind of thing in as much detail as you want. And then we'll go from there. OK. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Murphy, um, originally from Brockton, Massachusetts, uh, about just outside Boston. I've uh, been in the Navy for about 17 years. Uh, came in undesignated. I was undes for about four years. Uh, got in trouble. I was trying to go SWIC. And the MA Master Chief asked if I wanted to be an MA. I, I, I got into a fight. Uh, I was on the Lincoln up in Everett, Washington. Yeah. And then uh, did my restriction, did my deployments. I did two deployments, cranked twice, um, once on restriction, once not on restriction. <laughs> um, then went down to security after, struck MA. They told me I'd never see a ship again, which I was completely okay with. Mm-hmm. And then they sent me across the pier to the John C. Stennis, <laughs> which uh, was was Shacks. which was fun. Um, so yeah. I did about eight years at sea, back to back. Definitely different going back as an MA. Yeah, uh, had I had amazing leadership on the enlisted side, mm-hmm. uh, officer side not so much. Um, really, really, I feel like my enlisted leadership on the Lincoln and Stennis really, really, uh, molded me to who my foundation, I guess, my, yeah. how to, how to, they didn't, they didn't really stress a lot. They didn't take things serious. Um, both, both undesignated side and, uh, mm-hmm. and the master at arms side, 
Um, after that, I, I left, went down to San Diego. Uh, my son's mother was newly commissioned as a, as a nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was an ensign down here. Um, did four years down here. I was, I was working at NCIS mm-hmm. uh, at the field office and Navy Region Southwest. Um, Navy Region Southwest wasn't great, you know, just basic MA duties. And then yeah. uh, NCIS was probably the best fun and most where I feel like I've, I learned the most yeah. um, challenge. It was definitely a different job where they, they, I'm an inner city kid. Uh, I was the only white kid in my neighborhood. Um, uh, different up, upbringing for sure. Um, yeah. But so when they, when I went to NCIS, they basically turned me into the, the, the kid I was before I joined the Navy. Okay. Uh, and used which, you for like, uh, buying narcotics. Yeah. Got on, it. On base, on the ships. Um, yeah. that was a eye opener um, yeah. to what really is going on in the Navy. Um, and then, you know, during that time, um, my wife and I were, or ex-wife were struggling a lot. Um, and, uh, we, we later on the podcast, we can get over that part, but I, we split after that. And then I transferred to Kings Bay, Georgia, the PRP program. Mm -hmm. And I was going through like a lot of counseling and anger management stuff. And I got into another fight and got kicked out of Kings Bay. Uh, and then I went to, uh, CRG two in Bahrain. And then I came back to San Diego uh, picked up Chief here in San Diego, and then now I'm at Mezron 3 over in Imperial Beach. What is a Mezron? I'm a uh, submariner, so I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> it's uh, the expeditionary side, so okay. the green, you know, riverine, yeah, yeah, yeah. intercoastal okay. water. Uh, I run the, I'm the Raven program manager over there, so mm-hmm. we do flight line security where uh, it's an Air Force uh, program. Um mm-hmm. Basically, everything you're seeing right now on the TV in Afghanistan where the people are surrounding the planes, uh, it's our job to not allow that to happen. Um, Gotcha. We'll we'll fly into countries that don't have security or a a traditional airport and provide security for the aircraft. Oh, nice. Okay. Got it. Awesome. So, uh, I found out about you just from a picture randomly, and I don't remember. It got shared somewhere or by someone that I know. We probably have a mutual friend or something, but... And it was, it's a picture of you with a mouthpiece that says no fat chiefs on it. Yep. And when I saw it, I was just like, what is this? Uh-huh. <laughs> and started kind of looking at it, um, kind of like just curious about what it was in general. Um, and I also half assumed you were like a salty E5 or something. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have aged well. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you do. You look younger than than 17 years in the Navy. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was when I saw that, I had to figure out like what that was and, and why that person was doing it. And then I found out you were a chief and I was like, mm-hmm. well, this is interesting mm-hmm. because I spend a lot of time on the podcast talking about um, basically like how we can improve the mess as an organization and then how like individual chiefs can do better. Um, and it's all leadership development based, but it's also just like, there's a lot of things that I think that we can, that we accept that we shouldn't right? that 100%. That we definitely recognize are a problem, but it doesn't seem like people want to talk about it or there's really like an organizational app, like appetite for change. Like every chief I've ever talked to about it agrees that, yeah, no, that's kind of a problem. But then it seems like when we get this like hive mentality that 
people just kind of like, oh yeah, this is just what we do. And it's like, no, like, why are we not talking about this and, and trying to be better? And so like, talk about like how you, how you got to where you are with this no fat cheese thing. And like, what, what is the idea behind it? Cause the other part is like, when I talked to a buddy about it, he was kind of like, Oh, I don't know. Like basically just because when you say that it kind of sounds like an attack on chiefs, you know what I mean? So just mm-hmm. talk about like, Talk about like where, how you arrived at that, what it means, what the goals are, stuff like that. So I think most of us can agree, kind of like we were discussing before, um, in your career, whatever the case may be, you fall off, right? Yeah. And the, the, it seems like the, the running joke was, you know, FEP was the fat enlisted program. Mm -hmm. Um, or you had a chief that was overweight or a chief that is just walking around drinking coffee and, and, you know, yeah. down in the cheese mess, eating the, eating the amazing, but <laughs> food that, you know, what it does to your body. Right. Right. Um, and I, I definitely think it's a little different being a master at arms. Uh, I think, I think maybe Corman, CB's, uh, I don't want to single, you know, forget any rates, but a lot of the rates that, maybe are expeditionary or forward yeah. deployed. Yeah. Um, carrying a gun and a kit every day definitely changes your perspective on it. Right. Um, but then I can go back and be like, no, that, that, that it shouldn't just be us because even on ships and boats, you know, subs, mm-hmm. everybody's a firefighter. Right. And uh, we, we need to be the leadership that your junior sailors look at and say, I want to go to war with that person or right. I want to run into a, a, if I run into a burning room with that, that chief, yeah. I know, I know he or she is going to hold their own and, and can call the shots when, when it's hitting the fan. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people get insecure when they hear that and, you know, they say, well, you know, what, what about their career and advancement and admin and stuff? Like, I, I think that, I think all that's extremely important. Obviously, like paperwork can make or break anything in the in the Navy, it seems like. But I, I feel like we forget why we're really here because yeah. a lot of things don't happen for us. We've had a very peaceful, mm-hmm. what, since World War II the, for the Navy, a majority of the time. Not saying mm-hmm. there hasn't been times for the Navy. Right. But um, we've grown accustomed to an easy lifestyle, I feel like. Um, yeah. And I want, I want to, to address it. I, you know, 40% of the Navy is obese and this was pre COVID Mm -hmm. that report was pre COVID. And, uh, we also know, um, that CFL has probably hooked their buddies up a couple of times as well. (laughs) Um, so the numbers should probably be higher than 40%. Yeah. So that's a problem. Yeah. Over a, half half close to half of the navy is obese and we just saw with covid you know obesity was one of the the higher risks so right right half the navy was already at risk from covid mm. let alone to you know let's not forget f- future health issues that these individuals are going to have so it doesn't just have to be with navy it can be with self as well self-health yeah um and it 
we, I think we both know Chiefs don't like to be called out, right? We're stubborn. We're arrogant. We're, we can be. Can be, say, yeah. And that's one of the, yeah, that's one of the things that I don't like about us as an institution is that we do yes. become defensive when called out. And I think that's the exact wrong answer it's when you're, when somebody's pointing at a deficiency and saying, hey, that's a deficiency. It's like, you should be like, is it? Like, yeah. Like, look down and check it out and evaluate that. Like and, maybe they're wrong and they're just hating on you. It happens, right. but well, also maybe it's a deficiency and you need 100%. to One hundred percent. And yeah. I'm I'm guilty of it as well, right? I'm yeah. I'm proud. I'm too. I'm a typical <laughs> Irish Italian dude from Boston where yeah. you can't tell me anything, right? Yeah. Like, and I I too have to take a step back and be like, oh damn, like, uh, like you have to swallow that and it yep. hurts. Yep. It feels like a big chunk of food going down the wrong pipe where you're like, mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take this on the chin. Yeah. So we need to, as chiefs, call each other out, right? Like that's yeah. the whole, that's the, the, the perspective of the mess. We need to be mm-hmm. able to call each other out, hold ourselves accountable. And yes, it starts with us. And, um, I want to take a more direct approach. I want, if anybody's going to call it the Chiefs mess out, it should be a Chief. It shouldn't be the officers. Yeah. And it shouldn't be the E6 and below. It should right. be a Chief. I agree with you. And I think that, um, I think it, like, when you're talking about stuff like this, like, it feels uncomfortable because it's a thing that, it's a deficiency. Like, it's a thing that is a weak area. And by virtue of that pride and, uh, like, the, the arrogance and the ego that you talked about earlier, it's like, that those two things don't go together. So it's like right. when you have that deficiency and you know it's there, it's a really uncomfortable thing to acknowledge and and then sub- subsequently deal with because it's also, it's really hard. A man, when you get out of shape and like we talked about before we started recording where I've had a, several times in my life and career that I've gotten in pretty garbage shape. Like, um, and it, a lot of it center, and we'll talk about the bandwidth issue later, but like, a lot of it centered around my inability to uh, balance well. It's never mm-hmm. been something I'm good at, man. When I'm on a, a deploying unit, it's like that all I do is work. Mm-hmm. And so when at the end of the day, it's like, am I going to sleep or am I going to PT? I'm going to sleep. Like, yeah, 100%. And, and so it's tough to do that. But I always circled back to like, it's like, the, is this a thing that I'm just going to sit here and live with? Because I'm not I'm not as happy as I normally am. I'm, I'm more stressed than I normally am. Right now, um, I, or do you talk about in no, general? like when I'm out of shape, like when I find myself in that position, like I'm I'm not as happy as I normally am. I don't feel as good. I don't like how I look. Like all those things factor in, and I want to be healthy long term. Like I've always been acutely aware of health, and then turns out I like had the cancer thing that we talked about before we record too earlier. Like mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little over a year ago now. Um, so that even that now I'm even more like sensitive to it. So it's, but it's really difficult to like get back into shape. Like when 100%. you find yourself in a bad spot, it's really hard to get, it's super easy to get out of shape, but it's super difficult to get back in shape. So, and I, th- I think some, someone told me this, you change through inspiration or desperation. Yep. Um, and you know, the, the choice is yours on that. Like, and um, some of us need desperation, yeah. You know, whether it's, it's it's just like any other bad habit, whether it's drugs or alcohol or, or whatever the case may be, like sometimes you don't learn until you hit rock bottom. Kind of yeah. like we were talking about the BMC, like he didn't learn his stuff until he hit rock bottom. Yeah. Um. And I I made another post uh, on the on you know my Facebook and the other Chiefs page, and 
I said, you know, if 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 the word fat and no fat chiefs offends you, like I apologize. I apologize that you're there in your life that a word really, really breaks you down this bad. Yeah. And if it does, then cool, like we've we've gotten to this point and we've identified where you feel insecure. Yeah. Now, now like what I need you to do is go go look in that mirror or just talk to yourself and own that or like yeah. ac- accept that because until you do you're not going to make a change right and and also like it seems um it seems like it's an it the word is negative right and i, I mean it kind of is like mm-hmm. like based on what we're describing and how we're describing it but like it's like the like you were saying earlier and this is something i wanted to like come back to was the the fact that we're a war fighting organization that our our manifest destiny the only reason we exist is to kill people and break their stuff mm-hmm. and we've lost sight of that i think in the peacetime navy because for a very long time the the instruments that we deploy at, for the most part like the the primary platforms that we deploy to like affect war on people on on other countries haven't actually been engaged in that type of thing outside of like launching cruise missiles and stuff. Right. Uh, like distance stuff um, for a long time. And so what you find is like, if we're ever in a spot where we have to really fight the ship, like really do like I interviewed James Parlier. He was the CMC on the coal when it got bombed. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you, I mean, if you haven't listened to that episode, it's called determined response. I'd have to go look for the number, but okay, I'll good that Lord. Up. Like I, it took me hours to recover from recording that where yeah. I just like, my mind was blown. Just listen to him tell the story. And it's like, it's like, if that were to happen to us today, how would we deal with it? Like, I'm, I'm confident that like in the submarine force on the units that I've been attached to, or I go out on a ton of them now to do inspections. It's like, I'm confident that they know how to fight a fire mm-hmm. and that they're very proficient at doing it. But if there was a, like a really bad casualty where like a whole compartment is on fire, do they, do we have like the physical ability to sustain that firefighting effort? like the way that we would need to and especially on a submarine it's an enclosed space within two minutes you can't see six inches in front of your face like mm-hmm. it's it gets bad quick right so if we had a real real bad casualty on a submarine it's like do we have the physical ability to, to sustain that effort and to do the best that we possibly can and then by virtue of like so we're not just talking about the casualty itself we're talking about like if this happened because we got shot at because you don't get to like fight the fire and not do anything else because then right. we, then we would have to turn around and, and continue to fight the ship. Like maybe we're fighting back against an adversary. Maybe we're recovering other systems. Maybe we like, we have to repair the gear and do all these other things and then go continue doing the mission. It's like, do we have that type of like endurance and resilience in us right now? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, and it's, I don't want to learn that lesson the hard way. So Absolutely. it's like, that's what I'm trying to prove as well with like combatives in the Navy as well, at yeah. least for the master arms rate. Right. Right. Um, um yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. It, it makes me nervous. Like, cause I don't know that we have the, even the, the like mental resilience and, and just the, like the actual like training required. And then also I talk a lot about like morale as a result of, so like on submarines, we do an absurd amount of training. Like it's, it's the primary focus of, of everything is like, training and qualifications which is it's like it's great to a point but like you you get to this place where we do it so much that it starts to suck the life out of people and if you have 
like low morale, you're going to have low engagement and low effort. And it doesn't really matter how much training you did, even though that does help. It's like if you get a low level of engagement and effort when they're doing the thing, either when like we're doing an inspection or when it's real life, it's like that's bad too. Like you're going to get like (laughs) you're going to have a unit that's not fighting at at, like their peak ability. They're going to, they're going to regress to their lowest level of training. Yes. But they're also not going to be putting the effort in at the level that they It's just like, ah, you talk about the lowest level of training. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's like on a sub, but I can tell you as an MA, we train to pass inspection. So we, we definitely do that. Don't uh-huh. get me wrong, but we also, there, there's a lot of, a lot of it translates. We definitely, um, we definitely train because we're anticipating that inspection because we can't light the submarine on fire on purpose to see right. if we're proficient at firefighting. But it's like when there are actual fires, the response is, is very good and very quick and generally keeps us out of trouble. I think it's also different for you guys in a sub because you're like, holy crap, we're, I mean, I don't know how deep you guys go, but yeah, we're 200 feet under the water. We need to put this fire out. Oh, like, yeah. Like, yeah. There's, there's a, <laughs> a rush. There's a reason to put the fire real. out. Yeah, you know? there's a special level of motivation for sure because, like, the whole thing is trying to kill you at all times. You're trying to keep water out of the people tank. There's high-pressure air, pressurized hydraulic systems, like a nuclear reactor. Like, everything's trying to kill you all the time. Right. So, you're, yeah, there's a, definitely a special sense of urgency when that stuff comes up, but. I don't know, man. Like also that like, so you say you're saying like training to pass inspections. And I think a lot of that training will translate to some things, but then like how many, how many submarines are going to be really ready to fight if another submarine starts shooting torpedoes at you? Like it's a, it's a, it's a fight or flight moment for sure. Yeah. It's like, and then you're, you're dealing with potential flooding or fires or whatever while you're still fighting. And it's just like, and we do simulate some of that stuff in preparation for an inspection that focuses on the tactical readiness stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Like I I'm, I'm not as concerned about the, the actual like knowledge and proficiency of doing the action. I'm concerned about if it was real, Mm -hmm. like the physical, demands and mental demands and lack of sleep and just like do you have the endurance and just grit to fight hurt like do we have the toughness required to do that thing in real life and it's like a large part like there i was reading a book i I did a podcast on part of it where it was basically talking about how fatigue makes cowards Mm -hmm. like where in combat a soldier or a unit of soldiers when they're fatigued you're going to see people get scared as a result mm-hmm. and it's just like but if they're well trained and they're well conditioned they're not going to do that or at least not nearly as quickly uh, and you can put the special kind of demand on that unit because they have the endurance and toughness and grit to to continue the fight and that's the kind of stuff that i've been thinking a lot about a lot like how and why we don't evaluate people on their ability to effectively fight a war mm-hmm. and it it kind of i'm like why like that's all we're here for <laughs> really yeah Absolutely. You know, like, um, I don't yeah. know how you feel like, or if it can, it can relate to this, but, um, for again, being an MA or even expeditionary, we do a lot of combatives. Mm-hmm. So I don't, and I know you practice jujitsu. So I, I, don't, I am a one strap white stripe white belt. So sa- I'm you're, just a savage, then. you're a savage. <laughs> um, so like, I don't know how you feel mm-hmm. it could equate to or, or relate to, uh, 
jujitsu and combatives being a firefighter in a crappy situation like that. I don't yeah. because there's times where you're getting choked out and you're like, holy shit, or you're getting punched in the face during. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to swear. You're but, good. Uh, like Muay Thai or boxing, you're getting hit, yeah. and it's either you cover up and you 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 tell the dude you're done, or you you block and you fight back. Like so, yeah. I don't I don't know if stuff like this where you stress an individual out and you get to see if he or she is ready to fight back when you're in this is the thing too when you're in a gym jujitsu boxing yeah you can get hurt but you're in a you're in a violent controlled environment environment. yes where you can still be it can still be done safely um and i don't know if you feel like this like where a combatives could train an individual mentally and psychologically to get through a, a, a harder situation like that as an like, MA, I, I do feel we can. Yeah, I think it can. And I think, I don't think, but I like, I guess I, I don't think it needs to be combatives. I definitely love it. Like mm-hmm. I've never, I've done, so I did CrossFit and I got really into Olympic weightlifting. Like I love doing CrossFit, but I've never been an engine guy. Like I, mm-hmm. my endurance is kind of eh. like I pick up heavy things and put them down. That's what I'm <laughs> So like Olympic weightlifting, cause I love technique based things too, which is why I'm now obsessed with jujitsu. But like it's, I loved the, the knowledge that I'll never be like done learning about this thing. Like it'll mm-hmm. never be perfect. Like when I do a squat snatch, it's like, it's a really complicated, nuanced lift. A lot of people have a hard time doing it. And I was really good at it, mm-hmm. but I was never perfect at it. And I was constantly working on the technique and, and fa- And I loved the idea that technique could overcome like just brute strength as well, which is another thing that translates to jujitsu where like I, in the, in the gym I was at, I was probably 190 pounds, but like definitely not the strongest dude there. There were guys deadlifting like 600 pounds. I can't do that. But I can squat snatch 215 and they couldn't do that. And I was Mm -hmm. doing it because I had great technique, not because I was, if I was as strong as those guys, I would have been squat snatching 315. But like, because my technique was so good, I could squat snatch way more than them. And I could clean and jerk like almost more than most of those guys because that's more of like, you can get away with some bad technique with a clean and jerk that you can't when you're snatching. But Anyway, a little too much. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But like with jujitsu, it's like kind of the same thing, man. Like, like I love what I learned from it. I love the adversity of it. I love like it's one of those things where like when you do a really bad Metcon when you're doing CrossFit, Mm -hmm. it's almost as bad. And I think it's jujitsu's worse, but like it's almost as bad when you get done with like like we'll do like like flow rolling where, where we'll rotate. We'll do five minute rounds and we'll rotate where like you're you do it with one partner that five minutes expires you do it with another one and we're doing it with like six partners and so like by the end of that like you're just wrung out like a like a dishcloth man like i've never been so completely and utterly destroyed tired mm-hmm. as i am when i'm done like doing those flow rolling sessions at the end of a class because you mm-hmm. do the class and we do conditioning we do the technique and drilling and then we'll like get into uh, the actual like flow rolling or we'll do these king of the hills things sometimes or whatever and it's like by the end of one of those classes you are so tired and yep. tired in a way that like like unless you've you done can't something even sleep you yeah, can't even sleep. yeah. <laughs> unless you've done something like that you don't even think it's possible mm-hmm. and so um i i think there's value in that that translates for sure to everywhere in the navy where I don't think it needs to be combatives, but I do think that it needs to be something that makes you that level of tired. And I think you could accomplish that with like, um, I, I looked up this article, uh, cause I remembered it vaguely, but cause it was a long time ago, but 
Mick Pond Stevens back in 2016 was trying to introduce this like alternative PRT concept that applied like by warfare community. And that's what I think it should be. Exactly. Like I loved, I remember loving the idea where you're talking about like uh, expeditionary dudes, like you have to do a fireman's carry with a person while you're in your, like on your gear. And then, yeah. yeah, another guy there in SCBAs and FFEs dragging fire hoses a, a certain distance or, or whatever. Like, and I think on a submarine, it's like, that's where it'll apply the most is in DC situations is like, you, like a sustained firefighting effort in an FFE and SCBA it's where rough. you're dragging the hose. Yeah. You're doing the thing. You're dragging the hose. You got to like, you got to maneuver through these really small spaces and all that gear and then be in a really hot space doing that. It's like, yeah, that's going to fatigue you really badly. And then, you're going to be expected to continue to do your job afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so in, in a like in a wartime scenario. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think that would be really, really valuable. But I, it's like, I think people have a hard time seeing the value in it when we're not getting shot at. I, yeah. And, and again, I think that just goes back to us being so comfortable in what we're doing. And yeah. I, I, I don't want. It's just like when I'm training my guys. I don't want my guys to have that oh crap moment. I don't want to be here when it's too late. Right. I, I want them to have that in the mats. I want them to I want them to experience the fight or flight moment. I want them to experience the the challenge of being physically assaulted uh-huh. and uh being able to think and get themselves through it. Right. And it, and yeah, if you, if they're ever in that situation in real life, it, it feels familiar. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had a two hundred pound man on top of me before. Like I, my wife is one hundred twenty pounds, like very athletic, very strong, but she's a petite woman. Mm-hmm. And so, like the thing I love about her doing jujitsu is she get there. I, there's a ton of just meatballs in this in this gym, dude. Yeah. So like she gets all this experience with these really large dudes trying to like do harm to her effectively through these jujitsu techniques. And so you feel what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And so she has the confidence that if a 220 pound dude gets on top of her, she can get that guy off of her and get away at the very least. If she doesn't choke the dude unconscious. Yeah. And I love that, that the idea, just the like peace of mind of knowing that if that ever happened and I wasn't around, Mm -hmm. it's like, I know she's at the very least going to be able to get out from under that person and get away. And she knows it too. And it's like, or defend herself until something someone right. else can come and help her. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. jujitsu is just it's a it's a it's a puzzle that keeps getting bigger each time you go. Like, yeah. you think you have a piece for the puzzle, and you're like, "Ooh, look!" And then yeah. somebody hits you with something else, and you're like, "Damn it!" Yeah. Um, I have a I have a a brown belt at our at our command, uh, another MAC, and mm-hmm. every time I roll with him, it's just yep. constant <laughs> reminder of. Oh, I'm not that tough. How, yeah, how much more I have to learn? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I roll with the. I rolled with a second class. That's a. He's on a carrier locally, and he's a four stripe blue belt. And I'm like brand new, but I, I thought I was kind of figuring some stuff out, and I was doing really well against all the other guys at the gym. But a lot of them are white belts because mm-hmm. the gym opened and it was brand new, and so it, like pretty much everybody there is a white belt. Mm-hmm. Um, but this kid came in, and I went. I was gonna go with him, and I like I studied, dude. I'm like on the internet watching videos and like trying to f- figure out new stuff. And then I come to the gym and tr- try new things or like practice doing a thing better or whatever. And I went and ch- I, like you know like you're doing like I I was on the gr- we were doing a drill where I was on the ground and he was standing up and he was supposed to get to uh, side control and I was mm-hmm. supposed to prevent it. And so. 
I'm going, I go and fo- going forward and getting like sleeve grips and trying to do what I normally do. And he just started doing all these things. I didn't even notice he was doing it until I tried <laughs> to move my leg and he had a grip on my gi pant and like all these things where it was just like, it was a whole nother world where he was just squashing me because all the things that work against these white belts, like he's like, I know exactly what you're doing. And so like, it's, it's a whole nother level. Um, yep. And yeah, I, I mean, I had a little success because he's just he took this big, long break. So he got tired. But like, yeah, <laughs> it was like that was the only reason like this dude was murdering me. A and mental then, victory uh, for yourself. Yeah, I had a moment because I kind of I kind of stupidly brute strength the sweep and then he just murked me anyway and, <laughs> and, and ended up inside control and I lost. But well, they, they yeah. let you do a move on you because oh, yeah. they know what you're doing just yep. so they can set something else up. Yeah. As that, soon as you land. <laughs> yeah. That kind of stuff too. Like where, cause then he ended up sweeping me almost immediately and then was inside control. I'm like, how did you do that? Like, yeah. I don't understand. Um, I'm not a small guy. So I'm like, I don't understand how you did. And he was just like, I just, he's like body weight distribution. And I was like, he's like, I just felt it. And he's like, it's hard to explain. It comes with experience. And I was just like, all right, well, yeah, man, level, jiu- levels. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu saved my life, man. Like, yeah. I was going through a, such a crappy time in my life, you know. I, I with with my son's mom, I uh, we were we were married for eight years, and um, I had an affair, and it 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 like broke me inside. And uh, I, I any relationship I was at before her and with her, like I was I was a faithful guy. And uh, our son was uh, seven years old at the time, and I just felt like I just let everybody down in my life. Yeah. And, uh, jujitsu, jujitsu was there for me. Like jujitsu, like, I guess brought that ownership part out that, you know, like you can't hide from feelings. You can't hide from life. You can't hide from struggle. Like you've just got to, you've got to adapt and overcome as corny as that saying can be, but like you just got to transition and and keep moving and jujitsu, like, Jiu-Jitsu saved me if, if, at the end of the day. Like, I, I owe my life. I owe where I'm at now because of Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, I started down in Gracie for an Adina yeah. down in Jacksonville, Florida. And I still remember the coaches. Uh, this little fat guy named Possum was a purple belt. And <laughs> I walked in and I, same thing. I was, a, you know, into CrossFit. And um, I was about 200 pounds at the time. You know, pretty solid guy. And yeah. um, I walk in and he's a purple belt and he hit me with an Ezekiel about six times in a row and I couldn't do anything <laughs> about it. And I, I, I fell in love. There was also yeah. something, there's also something therapeutic about getting beat up, at oh, least yeah. to me. Yeah. I, it's I humbling. Yes. Yeah. It's humbling. Yes. It lets you know that you're not as you're not the baddest dude in the room. You're mm-hmm. not like I was, I texted my nephew a picture of this guy. I follow a bunch of stuff on like social media about jujitsu and this dude, he looks like he was like a, probably in his forties, uh, like going bald, not didn't look like he was in the greatest shape in the world, but he had just gotten his black belt and I mm-hmm. like, took the any glasses, just look kind of nerdy. And <laughs> so I took, I downloaded the picture and sent it to my nephew and I'm like, this is why you don't underestimate people. Like you mm-hmm. don't act crazy in public and you don't do, you don't like bow up to a complete stranger and think that everything's going to be fine because mm-hmm. this guy looks completely harmless except he could kill all of us. 100%. And it's just like, I'm like, dude, cause I don't look harmless, but compared to that guy, I'd be helpless. I'd yeah. like, I, unless I got spectacularly lucky, you know, like I, I'd be 
harmless. I would look like a child, just a defenseless child as he dismantled me. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it, it it's an extremely humbling thing when you're rolling with with people like that, especially smaller people that can just destroy you. And you're just like, oh, wow, I really got to learn this thing. Like, Hit you with like a calf slicer and you're like, what the yeah, hell like, just happened? What? I, my favorite is I got wrist locked for the first time and I thought it was the Oof. dumbest thing ever because I'm just like, all you did was roll my fist over. Like, mm-hmm. this doesn't make how can you completely like render me harmless and just screaming by all you do are you just rolling my my fist over like it doesn't and they knew it was coming yeah (laughs) i'm like what yeah so yeah i i definitely like i don't i i get something out of it for sure i don't think that um like i i don't think i was in a place where i was in like particular need of that i was in particular need of like the stress relief and the getting back in shape and Mm -hmm. the like the community part is huge for me. It's a really great gym. It's super cool. Yeah. Jets, like, yep. It's a really great group of people that like, I really enjoy being around and you know, like the, I needed the community part. Like I needed yeah. the stuff outside of work where it's not all just me talking to chiefs. You know what I, yeah, mean? I want to, sh- and I, like, I want to share that so much with junior sailors and you know, chiefs as well. Like I want them. Yeah. I want them to get in there. Like where it's, it just seems like everything's drama, gossip. Like when yeah. you go to the gym, it's just a you bump, tap, and roll. Like it, yep. and it's your homie there, and he or she's gonna murk you, and <laughs> you're gonna tap, and you're gonna start all over. Yeah, you know, and and you learn each day. Yep. Um, my girl, yeah, my girl knows. Like I feel like it's it's a Snickers commercial where, um, <laughs> where if I haven't gone to the gym for a few days, yeah, I come home and I'm cranky, and she's like. Babe, you need to go to class. Like, yeah, you're driving me insane. Yeah, that's how my wife is. Like, when she's she's healthy, obviously. I mean, she can't do it right now, but if she takes breaks from physical activity for a long time, like after about three weeks, she mm-hmm. can tell her mood changes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. go out in the garage because we have like a garage gym. I sent you a picture of it, but like, it's we have every like I have a concept two rower and an assault bike and a, I mean, we have everything you'd ever need in the garage. So I'm just like, go out there and work out Mm -hmm. and uh, you can see your mood change. And so like, I think jujitsu is the same way. It's like, I'm like right now we haven't been in like two weeks cause she's sick and I can't leave the house. And so, yeah, it's like, it's more cause I've been working out. So I've gotten that like release, but um, just like the I'm like starving, man, because I've been doing mm-hmm. kickboxing, too. And I just bought Muay Thai pads on Amazon just so I can mm-hmm. like I told my nephew, I'm like, you're going to learn a new skill. Tomorrow. <laughs> you're going to learn how to hold pads for me while I take out some frustration. <laughs> yep, absolutely. But uh, yeah, man, I think you learn a lot about yourself, especially in jujitsu where like oh, every day. Yeah, like just the it's it's humbling and it's like the it be, the adversity of it. Like, I think that um like people human beings just need something hard to deal mm-hmm. with like you need adversity in your life there needs to be something to overcome and it's like i think that a lot like just like you were saying with how the navy has been it, like we've gotten a little like comfortable with this like easy version of life in a lot of ways it's like you people are the same way where it's like we've gotten comfortable with this like very easy existence for most people in a lot of ways and it's like you in the absence of some kind of adversity you see people like start to invent it or like start to seek it out where it's not there and it's like where if you have an activity like this in your life 
It's like, you don't need to go seek out adversity. You're going to find it. <laughs> like when yeah. you start rolling with people, like you're going to find it. It's absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so what, like, I'm curious to, to know, cause like, I know I saw like on the Instagram account, I first, I didn't know you had a, an actual Instagram account for no fat chiefs, but mm-hmm. so you have that. And then I saw you have like, you're got t-shirts and all this other stuff. Like mm-hmm. what's the, like, what's the goal of like the, um, kind of like the, I don't, I don't know what you call like the mission statement or whatever. Like what, like, where do you see it going? What are you trying to do with it? I, I, one, I want it to be. I want the title to one help people identify if they don't like themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And because um, when I make some posts, people will be like, "Well, you know, you're a skinnier guy. Like, well, what about the bigger dudes?" Like, I, I, I hear insecurity when they say that. Yeah, I feel bad for them, but like, no, like I feel like every, I feel like every body type, you know, like I'm sure you see it. Like thinner dudes are mainly in the martial arts community, right? Like it really goes by your height, weight, size, right? Like a guy that's 5'10", 5'9", is probably going to be from 170 to 190. Um, uh, but, you know, the Navy's got dudes that are 6'4", you know, 240. And they, they're they power lifters. And I think, yeah. I think that's needed. I yeah, think for sure. 100%, you know, like I'm not, there's, there's aspects of fitness that it's a, it's a, round table right like everybody's got a chair at the table you know whether you're a runner a biker a swimmer um a crossfitter a a fighter anything as long as you're doing something that prepares you for what we're here to eventually do right or potentially do um it's i feel like we've forgotten that but so that's step one i want them to be able to help identify themselves if and then two i'm I didn't, I don't know how big this is going to get. I, um, yeah, I'm kind of just kind of letting it roll. But, uh, right now I'm, I'm buying gym memberships. Um, I'm buying gear and it's, it's mainly for, it's, it's all been for MMA, like mainly towards, um, victory MMA and then down here in San Diego. And then there's another gym here. And then I think there's going to be one in Virginia that I'm buying for, but, um, yeah, they'll come in. I'll buy them either, you know, I'll do like a, a free month for them. Yeah. I'll buy. Uh, and who, who are them? Like, is this sailors? Like, who, who are sailors? These? Yeah. Wow. Junior, so I've had three chiefs and three junior sailors so far. That's awesome. And I've, I've made zero profit off of uh, right. this. This yeah. has gone to, to a, a, an initial payment for the first month, um, a deposit. Uh, to boxing gloves, to rash guards, yep. to geese. Uh, I've I've got a bunch of equipment, and um, so that's my goal. I want I want to help people. I want yeah. I want people to be able to be real with themselves. I want them, um, and I, I don't want them to feel embarrassed. And I get I understand fat can be embarrassing, uh, and and I also understand my mantra isn't going to work for everybody. Right. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Like if 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 a title like Ship Shape is going to help you promote health and fitness in your lifestyle to make you better prepared to do our job, go do it. Yeah. Hit it. Get after it. Like Yeah. Stop and also stop making excuses. Yeah. Stop. Like like 
one of the one of the reactions I got from one of the posts was, you know, think about how many are on here that have medical issues and have to deal with it and can't reach out because of your no fat chief journey. And my response to that is if somebody is having a medical condition where they can't perform physically, one, they need to go to, to medical and be seen so that they can get better, right? Right. And then two, if they can't get to that point, I, I say this in the nicest possible way, <laughs> they shouldn't be in the Navy anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's a hazard. Right. You know what I mean? And I feel I, I feel bad, like, especially somebody that maybe did 16 years and something like that happens and then they have to get processed out. Like, that, for for less of a better term, is a kick in the... That, that sucks. Yeah. You know, but... I don't want, I don't want to have, if I'm running into a gunfight, an active shooter as an MA, I do not want to run into a room with somebody with high blood pressure and high cholesterol that I have to worry about and they're, they're, they're obese and now they're running into a stressful situation. I mean, the risk for heart attack is probably just skyrocketed with the active shooter. You know what I mean? Like we shouldn't have to worry about that. Like it's- And I get, I get there, there's definitely places in the Navy where the like physical ability is like less of a priority, but it's like, it's it's kind of always there though. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why it would be nice if like the fitness tests were tailored by warfare community and platform or whatever, Mm -hmm. because like, yeah, there's places where, I mean, if you're, you're a, an admin guy working at PSD, the odds of you having to physically exert yourself on a high level while you're at work are pretty low, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that they'll never happen. And that doesn't mean you'll not be back underway on nuclear power or on a haze gray platform where you're going to have to be able to perform in like a damage control situation or, or some, maybe you're on VBSS or maybe you're doing something where you're then going to have to like, we're all members of the armed forces. So there is a conversation about, everybody having a certain level of, of physical ability. And if there's something that like keeps them, cause I was looking down, I was staring down the barrel of getting medically retired. Mm-hmm. Like I, we had that conversation where they're like, you're probably never going to get cleared to go back to a submarine again. Mm-hmm. So then what? And like, does that mean you're not going to get cleared to ever deploy again? We don't know yet. And so like we had a real conversation about getting med boarded and all that stuff. And like, it is what it is. It's like, I, I understand people's, like negative reactions to it. And I understand people saying things like that where like, well, what about somebody that has a medical issue? Well, okay. We understand that you have that medical issue. I've had sailors work for me that have those medical issues where they, they're medically waived from the PRT number one. So there's that there's a mechanism to make sure that it's not adversely affecting your career. And then you have to go down the, the path of dealing with that medically and just if, can you deal with it and get back to full, to full active duty and where you're doing all the things and, and, or maybe there's a medical waiver, but you can still do all the things safely. Mm -hmm. Or are you in a place where this thing is going to prevent you from being able to stay on active duty and, and do the same things as everyone else? Like, and I've had a, I had a buddy that um, was HIV positive and did like the second half of his career all on shore duty so that Mm -hmm. he could retire. And I mean, he just, he was a recruiter, he was an RDC. He added value to the Navy, but he didn't do it on a warship. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's what he was able to do. And they allowed him to stay on active duty and do that so that he could finish his career and retire. And it was like, 
I mean, I, it was great. He's a great dude and I, he added value and all those things, but he's not on a deployable platform. And, right. and he was also able to maintain the Navy's fitness state. He was an RDC for, for crying out loud. Yeah, like he absolutely. was clearly able to maintain his physical fitness level at, at the level it needed to be and, and better. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like, it, it's a hard conversation. It's like, we're not just normal people. Like right. we're part of the armed forces and there's a special responsibility there to be able to like discharge that function and the demands of it when the time comes. And I, I don't think we're spending enough time thinking about when the time comes, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think we spend enough time saying like, Hey, when this branch of the service starts getting shot at what, and and there's a very real possibility that could happen in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? Like, where Mm -hmm. are our weak areas and like, what are going to be the biggest learning curves for us? And I think it's, pretty easily identifiable like when you look around the room i just think that because of human nature and the things that you've been describing it's like nobody wants to acknowledge the elephant in the room and it's just like the literal yeah literally an elephant it's like what are we doing and and it's not one of the best filters and i said it in in a recent podcast where it's like the best bs filter on the planet earth there's a bunch of e4s and e5s in the smoke pit like mm-hmm. just go talk to them and mm-hmm. they'll tell you. And so when you, the way that I do this kind of virtually is like, I go to all those meme sites all over the internet mm-hmm. and you see the stuff that they're sharing, poking fun at the high level of stress and the ridiculous things that happen and all this other stuff. But you, what you see is you see a lot of that caricature that you, you kind of painted for us earlier with the, big fat coffee cup carrying mustache wearing chief that can't pass a PRT, but somehow passes BCAs and PRTs every year, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just like, and that's a real thing. Otherwise that caricature wouldn't exist. And so Mm -hmm. you got to kind of say to yourself, like, okay, well, what are we doing about that? 100%. And I think that that's another one of those hard conversations. No one wants to have. It's like, look, I get it. And I get why it's hard to have, but so is the one about all the improvements we could make with like enlisted leadership development and education in the Navy. And we're starting to have that, but we're still not turning the mirror on ourselves as a mess and saying, Hey, what can we do better? And I, it all comes back to, you know, truth and reporting, right? Yep. Um, we're seeing it a lot with our screenings where we're getting people at our command that they get there and you're like, all the time, who signed your screen all the time. Yeah. Well, especially you guys with an expeditionary job, like, yeah, but all, yeah, same thing, man. Like I were in a, on a deployable unit. It's like if you failed any portion of the PRT or PFA, or whatever. Which one's the overarching umbrella term? It's PFA, right? And PFA, then PRT yeah. and BCA are like mm-hmm. okay. I always do that backwards. Um, yeah, we know I'm, what you mean. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I don't think a PFA was a real thing when I first came in the Navy. Either. I think it was just called a PRT. But anyway. Um, yeah, like there, if you fail any portion of it, you, you cannot transfer from a, from a unit to another command. And it's like, they're just constantly happening for these guys mm-hmm. show up and they're just like way outside of standards. And you're just yeah. like, what? Like it, it, it's the commands just don't take ownership of the, the like special duty screening process or the flag duty screening process or whatever. Like I'm assuming it's special duty for you guys or, or whatever it is, but it's like, there's requirements in a book and we're still not doing it. And and, then these people show up and you're just like, how it's like, it's like when a command lets somebody transfer during uh, like the advancement exam. And -hmm. then the sailor misses out on taking the advancement exam because the command didn't do what's required in the instruction of Mm -hmm. holding that person up or forwarding their exam. And it's just like, 
it's the same kind of thing where it's just like, yeah, this is their career. Like, what are you doing? Because why wasn't the conversation had and the corrective actions employed while they were still at that command? Because he was close to his PRD or she was close to her PRD and you didn't want to, ah, oh, this is somebody else's problem now. You right. know, like, because and whether or not you consciously thought that, it's like that's effectively what you did. You're just like, oh, I'll just let somebody else deal with this this problem. Yep. And I'm the, I'm the CFO for the command that I'm at too. And um, I recommended to the CEO that we run the PRT. Um, yeah. And he, he bought off on it. And not, I don't want to say bought off, he, he approved that. Yeah. And, we're doing uh, it too. Yeah. And yeah. the only way you get to bike it is if you have a medical condition. Mm-hmm. And the, the waivers that I have coming through right now where there's people that are like, I can't do any part of the PRT. And I'm like, and I think, I think people think with my, my brand <laughs> that I mean this in a disrespectful way and I don't, but yeah. they, they, they get away from the whole PRT and I'm like, why are you here? Right. Like you should be, you should be Limdu. Yeah. Right. You should, you should be on a med board. You should be figuring out what is going on with you medically. So you're not screwed for the rest of your life after, cause the Navy's not going to be here forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like. It, and also, like you, you're telling me you can't run, do a plank or a push up, but I have to give you a 40 pound kit, yeah. a helmet, and an M4 and an M9 and gear and ammunition, and send you down range and say protect this asset yeah. and protect junior sailors around you. No, like that's insane to me. That wh- should like well, those things should be linked. Like yes, where if you can't do the PRT, then you're immediately like disqualified from your primary duty and have to then go and, figure out like yeah and it's, uh, what's it's, going on that's crazy. it is mind-boggling to me why i'm the bad guy for thinking like that yeah i don't so i don't understand that piece i understand why people would have a, a like a negative reaction to like mm-hmm. the the term no fascist mm-hmm. and like the the idea of using that to promote the the fitness and and con- like i understand the reaction i don't it doesn't bother me and I've been fat. Like that's mm-hmm. been a thing before. Like where I came off uh, my first Chiefs tour, I'm five eleven. I was two hundred fifteen pounds of not muscle. Like mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I was fat. <laughs> and I'm yeah. Like, and that was a wake up call for me because I've been a, a person that's tried to stay healthy and be physically fit my entire life. And um, I just it was the type of platform where every single ounce of my bandwidth went to the mission. And but then when I got done, I was like, oh my. God, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I got into CrossFit and lost all the weight and got back in shape. But I, I dealt with it, and it was, mm-hmm. I don't know, like you owned it. Yeah, I took ownership of it and held myself accountable. And and I understand that that, like you said, it doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, to to really have that frank, blunt type of conversation where, like, someone's holding a mirror in front of you and saying like something blunt and like very forcefully like hey that's a problem you need to fix it works for Mm -hmm. me i like that i respond to that not everyone does and that's okay like you were saying earlier but so i guess i understand that this wouldn't be for everybody um i think that if we're going to be an organization that talks the way that we do and champions this identity that we have and, and takes pride in that identity of like that we're willing to say the things that need to be said that when we're talking about chiefs Mm -hmm. specifically that it shouldn't be a problem to have that conversation. And you're not even pointing at any one individual and calling them out. You're just saying that, hey, if we're going to be in this organization that's designed for warfighting, 
and we're, we're going to uh, be the leaders that are supposed to be the examples for everyone else to follow and stand in front of that group and, and be the exemplars, supposedly, then we need to look the part and we need to meet the standards of the organization so that when things happen, that we're able to lead from the front when the ship's on fire and when we're being shot at. And it's like, that's you, you, if you're not physically capable of doing that, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And so, and again, it's like, it doesn't mean that there's not a place in the Navy for a chief that's dealing with a medical issue and that when right. that medical issue is resolved, that they're going to get right back in the fight. Like they're okay. Understand all like people got to take a knee once in a while. Like it yeah, happens. Absolutely. I took a knee for seven months. Like I didn't mm-hmm. go to work for five months because I had a tumor pulled out of my face. I had radiation, like brain surgery all this stuff, right? Got done. It took a long time to recover from the fatigue and all the fun side effects of radiation. I was on a liquid diet for three weeks because I had sores in my mouth that were too bad to chew, like all Mm -hmm. this crazy stuff. But then at the end of it, I got back and then I immediately was like talking to my doctors and was like, hey, when can I start PTing? Mm -hmm. They're like, what do you mean by PT? Because if I, they're like, if you go deadlift something, you could like, they violated the barrier between my sinuses and my brain to, to pull the tumor out and they removed some brain tissue and stuff. So like that flap that they repaired could come undone. And then now I got, uh, what's it called? The, your spinal fluid or whatever coming out of your nose and all this wild stuff. And you could, oh, ha- you could die. Yeah. And so they're like, you know, you got to wait and you got to do this. And you got to do that. But then eventually they're like, okay, yoga's okay. And then they're like, okay, uh, like light cardio is okay. And then they're like, okay, like not greater than 30 pounds, but you can, you can do a little bit of weight training. And you mean you worked yourself up to it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Right. Which it is took another thing me, I try to tell people. Took me a hot minute though. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was not like, I started jujitsu in May and I still was not in great shape. Like mm-hmm. I was just like kind of reintroducing my body to the physical demands of certain things, but it wasn't like I was still in pretty not good shape and I was still heavier than I wanted to be. But then mm-hmm. as soon as I started jujitsu and kickboxing, it was like, Oh, here we go. Like, <laughs> and then I started doing a bunch of weight training and all that other stuff. And now I'm in pretty good shape. I, and then people like, will tell me like, I got really mad at somebody. He said, you know, you're excluding people. Well, you know, how about you just inc- exclude, you should just make another t-shirt brand, like no black chiefs or no Asian chiefs. Oh, and I'm Jesus. like, you, you're an idiot, dude. Like, Come are you on. really, are you really saying that? Like, Come on. and then he's like, you're telling me that just cause you're fat, you can't be in the Navy. And I'm like, I'm not saying that the instructions saying that. <laughs> well, it's and just again, a different it's, terminology. It's not that you can't ever, it's, it's just, there's an expectation that you maintain a certain level of physical ability. And like, Look, there are people that you might look at in their khakis that that's like an uneducated person would say is fat. Right. That like so a buddy of mine is a great example. Uh, He's a retired chief now, but he was an instructor with me when I was at an A school. And this guy looked like a live action human version of Shrek. Like Mm -hmm. he was a gorilla of a human being. But he wasn't fat. He was just gigantic. Like his Mm -hmm. hands were huge. His head was huge. His (laughs) neck was huge. He was just a gigantic dude. Mm-hmm. And there was a little CrossFit uh, box on base. It was an, I was on an army base. And so we would go over there at lunch and work out. And I mean, this guy was in shape and he mm-hmm. would get an excellent on the PRT every time it came around. Yep. But they would say that he, like, he would have to do something crazy to pass the BCA every year, even though like I've seen the dude with his shirt off. He's not fat. Right. And it's like, so there are guys that you'll see or gals that you'll see that you'll 
like define as that because you're you're not paying attention and you're right. not like you don't understand what it means to be fit. Mm-hmm. And I would even say that the instruction that you just mentioned probably isn't like the best measure of what nope. fit is because Not like the body types and stuff there are, I've, I've known guys like I would come into the, into the weigh-ins back before they updated the policy. I think it's slightly better now with the waist taping and then you progress to the next level of taping. Mm-hmm. Like back when it was just like, you have to get taped and then the, even the tape measurements were kind of goofy for guys that were like bodybuilders and stuff, mm-hmm. buddies. I know some of them were MAs. They would come in and they'd like weigh in and then they would barely pass the tape or they would tell them that they like had to come back or something like these guys would take their shirts off and they were shredded mm-hmm. and you're just like how how is that guy out of like maybe and maybe their cardio is not great and they can't run far so i don't know like whatever sometimes that's a stereotype with big muscle muscle heads or whatever mm-hmm. but i'm talking about like this dude, clearly healthy clearly in shape like could probably pick me up and break me in half and you're just like oh really really we gotta we gotta do body body fat measurements on a guy that clearly has single single digit per body fat percentage 100 percent. so there's definitely those people out there too but particularly the example being those big bigger people that are getting excellence on the prt but somehow are close when it comes to the bca it's like there's just different body types out there that are still physically fit that don't necessarily look the stereotypical like definition of physically fit. So it's not like we're saying that either. It's just like the people that are not meeting any of this, any of the standards or that need to be medically waived from the fitness requirements, but are somehow still able to do the mission. Like, Mm -hmm. huh? It doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. It's like, it's, it's really like if you need to be medically waived, for the PRT and it's not like a like because even that like so maybe they have an acute issue where they like badly sprained their ankles but okay well I can do push-ups but I can't do it or you know what I mean like mm-hmm. stuff like that even acute injuries okay like you maybe you don't need to be uh transferred but like you're gonna be you still like a guy with a broken leg is not gonna go out and on the flight line and be guarding those planes or whatever Absolutely. You know, like you're gonna be on limb do until your freaking legs healed so it's mm-hmm. like I guess I don't I don't quite understand reactions like that, except for that it's just ignorance. Like they didn't take the time to look into it. Cause like I said, when I first talked to one of my chief buddies about it, he kind of thought he was like, really going to talk to that guy? Like that sounds like that could go off the rails quickly. And I was like, yeah, I don't think it's about what you think it's about. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And like, like by you selecting that, that term, it's like, I mean, no fat cheese could be a turnoff to a lot of people that most people don't take the time to then go explore your Instagram and then reach out to you and talk to you. And now we're going on an hour plus mm-hmm. where I'm getting to like taking the time to understand like, okay, why are you doing this? Like, why mm-hmm. do you, why do you have a mouth card that says no fat cheese? Like yep. where, where is this coming from? And turns out it's coming from a really great place where it, like, cause like talk to me about uh, yesterday morning. What were you doing? Uh, so I have, Two sailors. They are non-MA. They're corpsmen. Mm-hmm. Um, both were limdu. Mm-hmm. Uh, both are heading to. Uh, I hope I pronounce this right. FMTB. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to go be FMF corpsmen. Yeah. Uh, I met them on the Mercy because I was on the Mercy uh, for the COVID mission. Mm-hmm. Um, that was <laughs> probably the worst two. Mo- <laughs> I don't want to say the worst two months of my life, but I've never been in trouble so much for working out 
in my naval career. Oh, because of COVID? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but one of them was on the All-Navy wrestling team. Oh, nice. Uh, both females. Um, oh, wow. And awesome. Yeah. And then the other one is a, she, she practices Muay Thai down here nice. in San Diego and also back home in New York. Um, they both had injuries and some personal things going on Yeah, where they gained weight and, mm-hmm. or, or an injury and then they kind of fell off. Yeah. Um, they reached out to me and, you know, they said, Hey, I love your ownership. I need it. I need you to, to be on top of me. So they came over. Uh, I have a gym, same like you, down in my garage. Yeah. And then also, um, I don't know if you looked at like my personal page, but I'm lucky enough to be really good friends with uh, Dominic Cruz, Jeremy Stevens. Oh, nice. Some uh, UFC guys. Yeah. And uh, I reached out to Dominic Cruz's manager, uh, OJ Jimenez, who is a uh, Navy veteran, all-Navy wrestling oh, nice. team. Um, and he is a, a professional fighter as well. And he came over and trained with them and, you know, got to, to, they got to pick his brain from a professional fighter aspect. That's cool. And same thing, you know, with my son where I'm trying to teach my kid is, uh, mindset because he wants to play basketball, but mindset is everything as a professional athlete. Yeah. And you're not going to get there unless you, you're, you're thinking the right way. Right. Um, and I wanted them to, to pick his brain and they got to, and, um, it was hearing them talk to him. One of them said, I never had dreams of being a chief until I met chief Murphy. That's, that's that was what's cool. Up. So that like, cool. yeah, dude, that's what's up. Cause that's like the, when you describe that to like, when, cause again, like I was still, I mean, I was still like kind of learning about what kind of what you were doing and why. And you text, you texted me like about the, like, Hey, well in the morning I'm going to be doing this. Mm-hmm. like a fitness camp for like mental health and, and physical mm-hmm. and what, and I'm like, what? And so it's like your initial reaction to like the, the, what you, what it appears to be without actually doing any investigating or asking you any questions. It's like, I, that's the only way I could see anybody reacting negatively to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just like, there, for some reason there's, there's like this, unwillingness to have conversations with people and give them the benefit of the doubt or just agree to disagree and still be okay at the end of the conversation. Like, absolutely. Like when I talk to, uh, you know who, uh, Christina Darienzo is the, the real chief. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Keep making me edit. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh damn. It's all good, man. You've only, you only cursed six times so far. Oh, um, that's, a record. <laughs> that's a record for a guy from Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so she was a, the one that did that, that video on TikTok, and like, same thing. Like I had a, a pretty negative reaction when it first came out, like, Oh my God. And had a hard time understanding how that could possibly happen. What was she thinking? Kind of like a lot. Of, I wasn't, it wasn't as bad as a lot of other people, but like I did, I'd had a negative reaction initially. And then after a couple of days, I was like, hang on a minute. Like I'm the guy that's always talking about like giving people the benefit of the doubt and asking the question or whatever. So then I reached out to her and, um, and said, Hey, like, would you be willing to talk to me on a podcast about this? And I guess she had had a bunch of other people reach out to her and in, in more of like a way where they wanted to 
almost like shame or whatever. Like, and she got a lot of really negative feedback. Like she was getting messages like kill yourself and like all this really gross stuff from like people in the mess and like in the Navy on active duty. It was disgusting. Mm -hmm. But then I got on a podcast with her and now like, she's one of my favorite human beings, man. Like I'm going to do another one with her soon. Like she Mm -hmm. is awesome. And then when you really dig into like what she was doing and why she was doing it on TikTok, she was spending most of her time on there mentoring sailors, like mm-hmm. going way out of her way, spending all this extra time doing basically what I do with the podcast on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like how how badly I misjudged this. Like, right. like how how dare I assume because I'm somebody that kind of prides myself on not doing that and asking the questions. And then it's like it was just super appropriate that I was that off, like that mm-hmm. I was that wrong about it. Um, and how she's chiefing harder than most, almost all the people that had any criticisms over, you know, mm-hmm. like it was just, it was wild, man. And so like the same thing applies to you. It's like uh, anybody that's passing that kind of judgment on you. And, but then you get a comment like that from those junior sailors that you're taking care of. Like you're come on, like those people that have those criticisms, it's just ignorance. Yeah. And you know, like I, I, I know as much as I love to fight, like I know I'm not the best fighter. So yeah. I was lucky enough to bring, you know, Dom and Jeremy and all them to come train my guys. And here here are 12 sailors who potentially, you know, especially right now with our, you know, aircraft security teams Mm. and what we're seeing on the news, we could potentially deploy and and be in a a rough situation. And who better? Because a lot of the times, too, we're unarmed, you know, where we go. It's, It's just our, we try to blend in with the rest of the air crew. Right. So who better to learn how to defend yourself <laughs> than from people who do it every day? Yeah, greatest phantom weight of all time. Exactly, like, right? Yeah. This these these guys. I've had some some girls come in. Angela Hill. Yeah, um, I love Angela Hill. Yeah, I got some uh, some wrestlers come in. I'm nice. trying to get Roman Bravo Young in. He's from Penn State right okay, now. Nice. Um, who better than right. than grown men and women that get locked into a cage right. and say, "All right, go scrap." Like. I want yep. my sailors to, to, I want them to trust me. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cause how many times do they say, Oh, this training's crappy or, right, you know, right, or right. blah, blah, blah. No chief brought in. Yeah. Arguably the best fighter ever yeah. to, to teach us how to defend ourselves in a real alone. fight. Yeah. Le- yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Cause you get instant credibility. Like I was just talking to the, uh, one of the guys from test up and his grandfather is a retired seal CMC. Mm-hmm. We were talking about uh, like leveraging retirees for leadership development training and education and stuff. And I was like, imagine putting your grandfather in a room where not only does he have the, the reference point of like, Hey, like hey, we have the same context. I was in the Navy. I was a CMC and I was a Navy seal. But also then he'd spend his whole like civilian career doing these other things. The type of credibility that that leader has when they walk into a room to do leadership development training, mm-hmm. it's like you don't ha- I don't have to establish anything like like for me when I walk into a space when I'm not, you know, like obviously the DGS thing is not attached to my personal name and, and job and everything. So like when I walk into a room. Do I have a certain level of credibility because I'm a master chief and I have a lot of experience? Yeah, sure. But like when I'm doing leadership development and education training, I'm just a cook master chief. And a lot of people probably discount my credibility and I have to like work a little harder to make them believe that I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So it's like the that person doesn't have to establish that credibility. They immediately are like, oh, like he was a SEAL CMC and he did this whole civilian career. They're immediately on the edge of their seat. 
right? Mm-hmm. They're immediately riveted and hanging on every word. And so like same thing, like for your people, when they are learning how to do like this is going to be an aspect of them learning how to do their job and just them professionally developing. And they get to learn from the greatest Bantamweight ever. Yeah. And they get to learn from like Jeremy Stevens. Good yeah. Lord. Watch one of his fights and like Angela Hill, like. And especially like for the like for the two female corpsmen that you were training for them to like spend time with Angela Hill because it's not a dude teaching them it's a it's a female right. and she's a pretty small female so it's e- like exactly for her and she's a savage mm-hmm. so it's just like that's instant credibility you don't have to convince them to listen to Angela Hill you know what I mean like they're immediately going to like be on one hundred percent receive mode and obviously she's going to have a ton to offer and so it's just mm-hmm. like. That's incredible training, man. That's so valuable yeah. for them, and they'll never forget it. And you're inspiring sailors to be chiefs when they grow up. Yeah. Come on, like that's that's amazing, yeah. dude. That it, is it, amazing. So, like, I was never. I'm. We're, we went to the next today, and yeah, there was a somebody in civilian clothes with their their anchor on their face mask, and I'm like, oh. Uh, to me, I'm like, oof. I feel bad that yeah, they, they need that, but um, so I'm not like, I'm. I'm not a person that yeah I as, aspire to be a chief. I love that I am like yeah, because yeah. you know everybody's always mad about the people they've hated in their navy career, but yeah. the, the five to ten chiefs that changed my life, like I'm so thankful for them. Yeah, yeah, because they stuck out so much in my life that like I want to repay back. Like they were so raw and authentic and like right. different, just like the grit and the grime, like just different mentality. Mm. And I want to, I want to. I want to bring that in. I want yeah. it, the camaraderie, especially from my like my flight deck chiefs. Yeah, like we're we were all so close. They, we were we were like a family, you know. Like yeah, you know, we pulled in a port on deployment, and y- you know, you went out and you drank. You know, you hung out together. But at the end of the day, you still knew that's my chief. Yeah, that's my divo. But th- that is like my uncle and my father on deployment, right? Yeah. Where they're like. Because if you start being dumb, they're like, hey, Airman Murphy, yeah. it's time for you to go back to the boat right now. And you're like, damn, all right. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. but I, I want to repay that part. I want to, Chief Murphy has our back. Chief Murphy, like, has his our, our best intentions right. in his mind. And he's trying to constantly put us in a, in a, in a, in a spot to succeed. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, some of these kids, I have, I have E5s that they're my mission commanders. And they're gonna go to uh, to these countries without me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and it's just the same thing as an MA. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been in, in a room with MACs, and they talk about how crappy our training is. But we take this eighteen-year-old girl who is probably one of the most innocent little girls in the in the Navy, and you know, is just here because she's here to join the Navy and wanted an adventure, and she picked to be an MA. Yeah, and we're like, hey, we're gonna put you on this post two miles away from everybody else with a gun and a kit. And we're going to tell you to protect this, this post. And we talk about how crappy our training is and then be completely okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how do you like, how do you go to bed at night? Like, how do right. you dear, no. preaching to the choir? Like yeah, I spend like, my free time doing a, a leadership development and education podcast because I was <laughs> disgusted with leadership development and education training. Yeah. Like it's just, I can't, yeah. I can't tell you how many times, like, we have training Tuesdays as MAs for, mm. like, our, our base police guys. Right. And it's ran by DOD civilians who, uh, majority are retired, 
yeah. chiefs, and they're there for their government paycheck. Yep. So the, the planning. I've, I've interacted with those dudes. I used to stay in base CDO yeah. on shore duty, and so I'd be the. <laughs> technically, I'm like the whatever you t- tactical commander or whatever mm-hmm. the hell of base security, and so I would have to interact with those dudes. And yeah, I was so g- generally not was, impressed. Absolutely, and I would. We'd go into training Tuesday and we'd be sitting around for 45 minutes. And I remember one day I was like, enough. I was like, everybody up. We're going to my jujitsu gym. Let's go. Yeah. And I, I got chastised for taking them to illegal training. But I can't tell you how many of the junior sailors were like, loved it. Holy crap. I'm in trouble if I ever get into a fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's eye opening. Like, it, holy crap. And the, I just, I, this is my passion. This is my love. And yeah. other chiefs are like, well, you should just get better at eval, right? And you know, you're not that great at that. Like, I'm, I'll reach out for help if I need yeah. it on an eval. Like, I'm okay with that. I, well, I'm, also, like, them saying that, it's like, okay, stand by to receive. What are you doing right now? Mm-hmm. Like, if you think that I'm so bad at eval writing, why haven't you brought it up before? Okay, sit down and teach me. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. ready. Let's go. Like, but it's just like through the through season, right? We're taught, yeah. You know the the strength of the mess. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna reach out to my YNC on, right. hey, what do you think this? How how can I word this for the command alike? And right. What am I missing here? Can you tell me? Yeah. Just like I hope they reach out to me for a physical standard issue. Right. And and th- again, that's the power of the mess. I want people. The Navy's so good at giving people things that they don't want to really do, and the product or the result of that is is crap. Right. Yeah. They don't work hard. There's no passion yep. here. We want you to be a, a safety PO and the MA2 or PO2 is like, I don't give a crap about safety. Like, <laughs> uh, so like they're not going to put a good a right. product on. Right. Right. Give it to the people who, who enjoy it. Right. There's so many people out there that enjoy each aspect of the Navy that we don't have to force feed it down somebody that doesn't want it. Right. Or create like the like artificially create this diversity in in assignments to make somebody that's well-rounded. It's like, look, I get it. But also most of this stuff like I could like because there's things you should always like you're going to need to learn. Right. Like you should have a certain level of ability when writing evals and awards. One hundred percent. But also, yeah. Like and that it, it. it's never invalid because like, dude, I, I was writing chief evals for guys that were trying to make senior chief on my last submarine where they would come to me and I mean, these guys have been around as long as I have. Mm-hmm. It's like, Hey, can you take a look at this? I just want to make sure. Cause I really, I'm really trying to put a star on this year, you know, like, and so they would have me go over their evals cause I'm really good at writing evals. And so mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I, okay. Like, but that chief writes a ton of evals for his entire division or department. Mm-hmm. They're just like getting a second set of eyes, asking for help and advice exactly as they should be to 100%. make sure that the product is the best it possibly can be. So it's and, just like, and that's what I want for my guys as a, as a, as a physical person, also as a person that struggled with mental health issues with my, uh, the divorce I went through yeah. because of, be, again, because of my mistakes, because of me being dumb. Yeah. I, jiu-jitsu and physical activity was such a big part in my recovery that right. I want to share it with people. And I want, I want people to have that success story because when, because when you're down and out and when you make it, mm. it's so much more worth it. It is, it feels so good. Yeah. And I, I wish that the connection would be made between that, like between like physically demanding things that like you get a lot out of like, like that, right. Mm-hmm. Like, like jujitsu or, or any form of like martial arts or, uh, like CrossFit or whatever um, and mental health, because like it, it, we have like, you see the, the 
an effort being made to deal with what's viewed as a mental health problem in the Navy. Like we got the warrior toughness program coming out where they're trying to make people more resilient, which is great. You got embedded mental health on waterfronts so that sailors can walk in with no appointment and talk to a mental health professional. Great. Mm -hmm. But also like, what, like let's address like before it actually gets to that point, let's address like prevention. So like what, what is the best possible way we could prevent anybody from arriving at that level of stress or anxiety or whatever? probably physical fitness mm -hmm. and it's like we don't take it seriously in the navy we just don't mm -hmm. like except for a couple of real tiny isolated pockets of the navy but generally call those navy seals <laughs> yeah well pretty, pretty much or like fmf corpsman or yeah, like a yeah. handful there's a handful of of communities that take it really seriously and outside of that it's like we talk about it and we talk about it being our because that's the other piece i wanted to address was like so so we're pointing at these people and we're saying no fat chiefs but on the flip side of that coin the one the one pretty valid argument beside like we talked about the medical exceptions and stuff like that but like for a guy like me like i've been in a place where i literally didn't have time like i and and i know people say that and you're like well maybe you're badly prioritizing your time and blah. like let me break it down for you i would mm -hmm. stand eight hours of dive every single day which means i'm sitting in a chair in the control room of a submarine i can't walk away unless i get a head relief and I'm driving, I'm effectively flying a submarine underwater. That's what mm -hmm. I'm doing. I got two guys driving in front of me that I'm supervising. I got a chief of the watch to my left that I'm supervising. I got the officer deck behind me telling me where to go. And then I go make it happen. So then before that, so you do a pre-watch brief and post-watch like hot wash. So really my eight hour watch is with meals and those trainings is more like 10 hours. And then when I'm done with that, I have to go do whatever, like that. there's training or there's, um, like something else going on after the fact. And then I have to do, uh, like I'm, I'm a drill guy. I'm a, a simio. I'm a assistant ships diving officer, which means I'm writing and grading all these exams for qualifications and all this other stuff. It's like, there's a ton of things that, that happen that eat up all my time. And then at some point in there, after I've already, I mean, you're looking at 12 to 14 hours of my day gone now. And then I, at some point have to do my primary duty. It's like, okay, so then I try to figure out a way to do that. And then I arrive at this place where I've got six, seven, eight hours left in the day. Am I sleeping or am I working out? Right. Mm, and then what do I got going on the next day? And then rinse and repeat seven days a week while we're on deployment. And it's just like, okay. And, like, and then like getting back to uh, like when we, there, there were times in the interim where like, yeah, I mean, I could get some workouts in sporadically when we're in port or like when we're getting ready to deploy, but even then it's like ton, like you're spending late, like late days at work and then you get home, you want to spend some time with your family and, and just crash. Cause you got to do it again the next day. So then you're in this place where it's very, very, very difficult to, to make that happen. And it's not really prioritized by the Navy. It's like, yeah, I got to pass a PRT twice a year. Got it. I'll make sure I do that. Mm -hmm. But it's not something that's made important outside of those two days every year. So it's like, how do you, how do you I would you, say incorporate it into fire drills or wherever the case, wherever you're stationed, like maybe the Navy could make it a, like where like, all right, like in this drill, we're going to do 30 minutes of a high intensity situation where you're going to be in your kit, whatever kit it is. And, uh, you're going to be performing, like right. include it into the training cycle or aspect of what we're doing. Right. And, and 
and also like just the like for me i I don't understand why it's not built into the workday in some way or another because it seems like with other services it is like Mm -hmm. and and granted like i was on an army base they pt'd every day at 5 30 in the morning and it was everyone but Mm -hmm. also they didn't go home till 1800 and that's disgusting so i'm like i don't want to do that i don't want to like add it on necessarily but it's like I like I if it's so important and we're gonna we're gonna measure. Well, they got, I think the Navy's gonna stop giving us dumb stuff to do, like right. all these GMTs <laughs> and these NKOs. You know, like yeah, you're like, not wrong. You're gonna take you know, like sexual assault is such a serious issue, and I I am. This is not me like trying to downplay it, but this training that we're doing on a computer or like yeah. this got this like a speech or like this little paper that we get read. No. We need to tell, like, and I say this because a majority of cases are males on females. Yeah. We need to talk to these, as men and leadership positions, we need to talk to these younger men and tell them and train them how they should be treating their their co-counterparts as right. in their sailor females. This is your team. Don't freaking treat them wrong. Be a good person. You know, like, we need to, we need to, to train them and... and I mean, fear worked for me with my dad. When my dad was mad, like I was like, "Oh man!" Right. Well, I think so many of the things that we spend time addressing in that way, where there's like and anything that there's required training for annually or semi-annually, or we have a safety standout or whatever, we're always reactionary and we're always addressing the symptom of a, a greater problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you could distill it down to like a, a broad concept of like. Uh, like human needs not being met right like uh leadership development and education um like just just teaching them like what acceptable behavior is a lot of time is is all it really takes is like showing them like demonstrating by by example but also just talking to them about like what it is like who we are and what we do like this is how we function as an organization this is how we treat our shipmates this is like these people are our family. We will need to depend on them when when we're getting shot at or when something explodes and everything's on fire or when water's coming in the people tank and it's mm-hmm. not supposed to. Like so you don't like you need to be able to count on these people to save your life. So it's like that, yeah, you just create you need to create a culture where those things are just understood and, and like it, I think a lot of the problems would just kind of go away and not everything you're never going to solve everything because sociopaths are going to like squeak their way in through the recruiting process. And then you're going to have to deal with that problem when it shows itself. So it's never going to completely go away. But I think you could do a lot of good by addressing like a root cause instead of constantly just, Oh, there's too many sexual assaults this year. Now we're going to make you sit in front of this PowerPoint and like, what does that fix? Yeah. You're pretend. You're pretending you care, is what it tells Kinda, me. Kinda, yeah. That's that's um, what I get out of it. Is it's like we have to make it look like we're doing something about it, so they make a mandatory training that sort of addresses it. And it's just like the the best thing I've ever seen. So like for suicidal uh, ideation and and attempts and acts, right? Like we're we're looking at suicide like it's this giant problem because it is. But the best like thing I've ever seen done about it is a group of junior sailors on the USS Hopper got together and created an organization called Life Promotion. And it's mm-hmm. like a preemptive... And it, I mean, it applies to mental health and all this other stuff too. Like, 
they created this organization where they were unwilling to accept the fact that certain sailors were being excluded or like not like they didn't feel like they were involved or they didn't feel like they were valued like sailors sitting on the ship during Christmas, like not, you know, not doing anything and not being invited to anybody's house, all the, just everything. They mm-hmm. would create activities like do events, get involved, ask questions. They would they would like they had a, a meal at someone's house where they literally made sure there was zero people that weren't on duty on the ship like not eating at someone's house, like during Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever they did like Mm -hmm. Madden tournaments. And like the CO did like was involved and interacted with that sailor that is like generally neglected and whatever. And it wasn't like, it wasn't reactionary and it was created and owned by junior sailors. It wasn't a Navy directed thing. Like, no, I think that's what makes it better. Yeah. A nav admin didn't put it out. And so those sailors take ownership of it. Like, and then all the other sailors are like, well, these are our peers doing this. So they, they wanted to be involved in it. And then it just, and this command, all they did was say, yeah, do it. And they were very supportive of it. And it's since spread to a bunch of other ships in Pearl Harbor. I don't know where it has gone since. Like I'd have to check in with those guys, but it was incredible. And it was, it was proactive. And, and you talk about like those other programs that the Navy just started, um, that they're, they're making people go to. I think those are great programs, Mm -hmm. but we also wouldn't need those programs if people just did their job. If people actually cared and this, you know, like kind of, so I, I, I get what you're saying, but like if you when when you say if people just did their job, I think that 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 implies that like, well, if everybody just did their job, then then we would effectively be perfect. You know what I mean? And there wouldn't be a need for those kinds of things. Right. And, and, and I don't a, want to say perfect. Definitely. Yeah, I get what you're saying. In, in an organization comprised of human beings, there's always going to be problems and there's mm-hmm. going to be things that we need to do to mitigate those problems. And so it's like because there's just. The one thing I've learned over the number of years I've been doing this is it's like no matter how badly I want to just have a whole bunch of people that are that are performing at a 10 out of 10 level that like have the aptitude and drive and motivation and discipline and all like just all the things that are required to to do what we do and do it at a high level and they don't always need help and they don't always need oversight and they're like what I've learned is everybody every mm-hmm. single person's ceiling is in a different place. And so my 100%. job is my job is to get them to that ceiling, but also understand that because some people's ceilings are lower than others, I'm going to need to make sure that there's something in place to mitigate the gap there if, if necessary, right? Or I'm going to need to understand that like there are going to be people that come in the Navy that don't think that certain things are wrong, that don't think saying or doing certain things are wrong. Um, that don't like my friend, Amber, a black female GM that worked for me. Uh, she's been on the podcast a ton of times, incredible human being. She has dealt with sailors on ships that like they grew up in a place where there were no black people and where racism was just normal. Mm-hmm. And then they came in the military and they're like looking around and kind of learning by doing that, like everything that was was said about these people was wrong and so amber like would have conversations with people that thought black people were evil and mm-hmm. like explain it to them like i'm just a per and like kind of change their worldview and so it's like it wasn't that that person was a bad person they were just raised in an environment where they were taught that like that racism was valid right and so then but then they met amber and they're like but i like her like she's mm-hmm. nice and she's smart and she treats me well and like i like working with her and so then they had to like overcome that together 
And it's just like you, that stuff's never going to not happen in this diverse of an organization. So it's like, like I'm with you. There's a lot of problems that could be solved. And I kind of go back to like the, the, the mess all the time as the example, because that's my context is like, mm-hmm. it, like I was asked at the end of the last podcast, I put out the discord Q and a thing. They said, if you were Mick Pond for a day and you could accomplish anything in one day, like what would you fix? And I was like, if I, yeah, I mean, if I could snap my fingers like Thanos, it's like I would fix the cheese mess because, mm-hmm. and, and that's a really broad idea. But it's like if, if the chief's mess was just humming all the time and doing all the right things and living up to the mission, vision, and guiding principles on a daily basis as a whole organization, think of how many things that would fix. Like yeah. that touches the entire Navy, all 100%. Of it, stem to stern. So it's just like, that's ideally like in my mind, I like I'm with you. Like that's what I would love to see happen. But it's like, also I kind of understand that that's impossible. Like we, we can aspire to be the best we possibly can, but the best we possibly can is never going to be perfect. And there's always going to be issues. There's always going to be a chief getting a DUI, even though I think like it should never happen. It's going to happen occasionally because human beings are human beings. And like, like I was telling, telling you Jeff's story that you mentioned earlier, like, like Jeff didn't get a DUI cause he's a bad person or because he wanted to get a DUI or he didn't respect the responsibility he had at the time as an LDO and then reverted back to chief. It's like he was in a really bad spot in his life and he was mm-hmm. having mental health struggles and was suicidal. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that, that he talks about candidly all the time. And it's just like, people are going to end up in that space at some point. It just happens. Like I'm see, I, I'm, I talk about it openly on the podcast. I'm seeing a mental health professional right now for anxiety issues that came out when I got diagnosed with cancer and started radiation. And turns out it's linked to a bunch of other stuff too, but it's just like, like I was breaking down and crying for no reason. And I I had no idea what was going on or why, or like what I, all these doctors are telling me I'm going to be completely fine. And, and so like in my mind, there's not really a problem, even though like I'm in the midst of treatment, it's like they're telling me I'm going to be fine. And I believed them like in, right. in my in my mind, I wasn't worried about it. But in my, I don't know, unconscious mind or whatever, uh, apparently everything wasn't cool. And so like I was a dumpster fire. And so eventually my wife's like, you need to go deal with this. What and do you I, think helped you the most? Um, I think it was a combination. I think. um I think talk like recognizing it wasn't just something I could deal with myself or it wasn't I I've had an anxiety issue for a long time. I just thought it was normal. Right. Like I, I just looked at it like it was just, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm like I do a stressful job like it's normal when I'm when I'm not in a position where I'm because like for me, when I was staying diving off to the watch, like. I got people's lives in my hands, like if I something goes wrong, like I'm going to like hurt people and break the submarine and affect the mission. And that's a, the gravity of that. Like the gravity of that watch station every day freaked me out. Like I didn't deal with it well. And like, and I, I, I did it well. Like I was, a, I was good at it, but like, and that's why they kept me up there. They like, I kept telling them like, can I get a break? Or And they were just like, no, like you're great at it. We love you. Like you're doing so good. And, I feel like the Navy's good at that, breaking yeah. people that are good at the job. <laughs> yeah. And so like that was, I thought to myself, well, once I'm away from this, I'll be fine. Like once I don't have to deal with this anymore, it won't be an issue. And so I, I just thought it was normal anxiety because I was doing a thing that was like pretty heavy, but then it didn't go away and it just got worse. And so I think what helped the most was probably recognizing that it was actually an issue and then like because that's what in order to go talk to a mental health professional i had to kind of 
be like, okay, this is, this is, yeah, it's a bigger problem than just, oh, this is just normal anxiety. Like, no, this isn't going to just fix itself. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I I don't know, man. Like I think talking to somebody was, was big and it's hilarious because he's a really young Lieutenant. Um, when I walked in the room, I immediately snap judged and was like, this isn't going to work. Like this Mm -hmm. guy's 12. (laughs) Like he's, uh, but he's awesome. I love him. I love talking to him and he, it's helped a ton and I I don't know why it works so well, but it does. He's just a great dude. Um, but also like, yeah, jujitsu and and kickboxing, I think were huge. I think the, it was more like the, the community aspect of it and like the interacting with people and, and cause I've always been somebody that like my circle's always been small and I don't like, it's not hard for me to make friends, but I don't want to just make like casual friends. Like I'm yeah. looking for people that are going to add substance to my life. And so like hundred percent, I'm discriminating in that way where it's like, I don't, I don't really want casual, like go out to eat beer friends that aren't really friends. Like that's just not me. I don't get anything out of that and I'm okay being by myself, but also when your wife is your only friend it's like because that's when i move around a lot like i made a ton of really great friends on both shore duties but like when i'm on boats it's like i am like tunnel vision on the mission and doing my thing so it's like make a few a few close friends in in like the mess and stuff but yeah i didn't really want to hang out with those people that i worked with outside of work and so that i i'd start isolating basically and it was just that's not good Mm-hmm. So I think the the hanging out with those people and being able to relate on something like that, because I met all my other friends at my last show to you through CrossFit. And it was kind of the same thing. It's just this really great community vibe where like, I mean, I was going to their house for Thanksgiving. I still I went back and visited. Um, I went out and pinned a, a, one of my instructors to chief uh, two years ago. Oh, nice. And when I was out there, I went to the area where I worked uh, and visited like the civilian friends that I had or like army friends that I had that were still there. Cause it was, that's like my family. I went to their house for holidays. Like I stayed with one of them when I was in that area. Like I came up from Norfolk and, uh, and hung out there and like stayed with the family. And like, I mean, those kids are like, they're like my kids. Like right. it's crazy. Like I got a picture with one of the, uh, my friend's daughter that like I had, she was, when she was little, she was probably like seven she was always clinging on me at the gym and I'd be carrying her around. And, um, and then like now she's a teenager. And so like, I took a picture like, and put the two next to each other. It was like, mm-hmm. Holy crap. Like it's wild. It's family. Yeah. They're my family, man. And so like the trying to establish that here, it like, cause I was on a boat first and then I stayed for shorty that never really happened. And it was like, it probably would have happened right when I came off the boat, but then I got sick. And so then cancer happened. And so I was, yeah, I, it was like I never got to start doing it. And then I had this other giant problem and then everything kind of just melted down. But yeah, I think I, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. But I think the community aspect of that and then the talking just like recognition that it's a problem and being able to talk about it as mm-hmm. that was probably those are probably the things that helped the most because I'm uh, it's still an issue. But like I'm in a way better place, like yeah. way better. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah, man. That's how I felt when I found jujitsu too. Yeah. It's and and yeah, that like I do better when I the, my doc, uh he's an IDC corpsman that like um he was a he whatever the Marine Raiders or whatever they were called before. He was a, an FMF corpsman with those guys doing like mm-hmm. the the crazy like 
Marine special forces stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, so he, he was talking about like how, when he was doing stuff like that, or when he was on a submarine after that, or, or whatever, he's like, we're really highly strung people. And when you, you're wound that tight on a boat or when you're out doing this other stuff, like you have somewhere to put that anxiety, like you, you put it into the mission, like all that being wound that tight, you got somewhere to direct that energy. He goes, now you're sitting in an office, like not, and with a lot of downtime. And because of, I was sick, I wasn't working out and I wasn't, so I had nowhere to direct that energy. He's like, when you do that, cause he was, he was one of the guys that convinced me to go see a mental health professional cause he had done it. And he was just mm-hmm. like, dude, I'm telling you, it'll help. Mm-hmm. And it was, he gave, he explained it in a really great way where he was just like, you need somewhere to put that energy and you don't have that right now. And that's why it's like, so it's going to come out somehow and it's like not going to be good if you don't have a good direction to direct that energy. And so that was kind of what like got me to believe it was like this dude, he's just awesome. He's a good friend. And so I just, I was like, I I get it. I, uh, I think with also like that, that energy that you talk about, like, we see that so much in the Navy where, you know, you go by the smoke pit and you just, just even listening to some of the stories you hear in the smoke pit, mm-hmm. it's almost like a Indiana Jones, like <laughs> where there's just like this adventure and there, there's stories that they're telling and um, mainly, you know, some could be true, yeah. but a lot of it just sounds like laziness or they, they, they hit a roadblock in their life and they, failed to attempt to jump over that roadblock. Yeah. Um, they have an unhealthy life. They, they, they hang around unhealthy people mm-hmm. and it, it, it just kind of, it spreads and then you get into a workplace and then it spreads even more. Yeah. And that's what I challenge my junior sales with is put yourself around people that are going to challenge you. Put yourself right. around people that your friends should be the ones calling you out. Yeah. Your friends are the ones that telling, are telling you, no, you're jacking up right now. No, you're not living a good lifestyle. No, you're not being real with yourself. Not these people that enable bad behavior or enable bad decisions. Right. Um, and I, I feel like that's where we're at as a, not just as a Navy, but the mess as well. I feel like yeah, you just there's so many people that because they've been in the Navy longer, they're jaded, right? They've mm-hmm. had so many crappy situations in their life, whether it be a relationship or workspace or um, the cards that they were dealt in life. Like, and they're so bitter and angry. And then when you're around them, they want to tell you about yeah. each one of those things. And you're like, "Hey, man! Like, I have a really good thing. You know, we let's go for a run. Let's like, yeah. let's forget all this. Oh no, I don't want to run. Like, I I can't. Well, why can't you run? Oh, I have a problem with my ankle. All right, well, let's go to, you know, let's go to medical. Let's get you checked out. No, I yeah. don't want to. And you're like, you're not well, doing anything to right. make yourself better. And how much, how much of that do you think is related to like the, it, it, so as an organization, so like just the entire Navy, as an organization, we prioritize the mission, which duh, like, of course we do. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's always going to come first, but in, in uh, trying to accomplish that, we've structured a lot of things in a way that treat sailors like they're consumables. And it's oh, 100%. And it's like, so you arrive at this place where you don't feel valued, where you don't think that 
it's important for like you to take care of your own health. You don't feel like it's important for you to like mental health, physical health. You don't think it's important for you to work out. You don't think it's important for you to do all those other things because all that matters is the mission. And it's like, it's, you're structured in, it's, it's structured in a way that like that's almost become socially acceptable within the, the construct of the social construct of the Navy, like the work environment. It's just like, that's just what we do. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I've sat in these meetings where we're constructing a plan of the week and no thought is put into like, okay, well, when are they going to get time off? Like, when are they going to get to sleep when we're on mm-hmm. deployment? Like, when are they going to get to have any downtime at all? And even the higher level understanding of like, I want my sailors to be well-trained and like to be steely eyed killers of the deep. But I also like in order to accomplish that, I also need them to be happy and well-rested and physically Mm -hmm. fit. And it's like, so how, how we've lost the recognition of like all of those other things that we need to program in so that it's sustainable instead of just treating them like, like I'm just going to use this person up and then they either separate or become a bitter, angry chief, you know, like, Mm -hmm. And I don't, I find it really hard to wrap my mind around like, like, how did we get here? Why are we doing this? It's illogical to me. So like how much of that, how much of that attitude and, and unwillingness to act do you think is tied up in that? When, yep. I, I think it's a lot. And yeah. I think that if, if um, you cannot, you know, cause a, a work day underway is usually 12 hours, right? You, yeah. you have your 12 hours on 12 hours off, but right. If you can't get your work done within 12 hours when, with work, I mean, training, PT, um, uh, you know, warfare device training, um, works in a soup, 3M, et cetera, et cetera. Like, mm-hmm. there's something wrong with your leadership. Right. There's something wrong with, you You mean to tell me whether a divo, three chiefs, or depending on how big your workspace is, you guys can't develop a plan to fit all this in within a certain time frame? Right. No, they don't need to be here forever. We're seeing a result of with these these collisions at sea. We're seeing a result of lack of sleep. We're seeing yeah. a, a result of lack of um, rest, a lack of physical ability to to maintain under longer situations. Right. Um. And and you know people can be mad at my my stance all they want, but science proves the better shape you're in the longer and more effective you're going to be in a, in a bad situation. Um, and I think we, we lose our, we lose that, that mindset. We, we want to no work, 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 work. Why, why are we doing this? What is the, what is the long-term effect of this? What is the goal of what we're doing here? You mean to tell me we can't spread out our fire drills right over the course of a week, you know, um, a fire drill is going to be more important than GMT training. Yeah. Let's throw the GMT train to the side. The The ship is going to go on if we don't finish our GMT within the fiscal year. <laughs> yeah, if you don't verify your run fast, nothing's yeah. going to explode. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot to do my IA training. <sighs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do your information assurance or we cannot get underway. Right. You know, like, let's let's prioritize what's important. What is realistic? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I 100% agree with you because that's. It was, but what was strange about it is I was sitting in a room full of people that didn't agree with me and I I, like, and I'm the only voice in the room going, Hey, do we really need to do that? And then like, Mm -hmm. Oh, Hey, when are these people going to sleep? Like, it was just like, we're not, we're not getting shot at right now. And Mm -hmm. that's awesome. 
So let's take advantage of that and and structure everything in a way that we're preparing for that eventuality so that when it happens, people can function at a high level with minimal sleep and under high levels of stress. But like right now, I feel like we're burning the candle at both ends, functioning mm-hmm. at a high level of stress with no sleep in bad physical condition, like not eating well and all this crap. And it's like, we're not even fighting anyone. We're just fighting and, our inability to plan. And and when you said that, how many people in the room were quick to say, oh, when I was coming up, we did this yeah, all day. You know dude, what I mean? And then I don't you're like, I want to hear it because yeah, I, I did too. That doesn't make it right. Like Exactly. And then you look at that person and they're 40 pounds overweight. Yeah. They're craving a cigarette. Yeah. They probably got a, they probably got a monster or a rain in their, <laughs> in their hand. Yeah. Right. And you're like, look at you. Yeah. You're stressed out. You stayed up all day. Right. You, you reach out to unhealthy habits to cope with unhealthy planning. Yeah. And now look at you. Right. We're trying to avoid this. Right. So when there is a real fire or when our adversaries do rock our submarine with a, a torpedo, mm. we know what we can do and we can handle it. Right. And, and that you can push the envelope. Like, yes. Because you know I mean? that's the time to do it. Like mm-hmm. the, the I, my brother was a, a flight deck guy uh, during the... Um, not Iraqi freedom during when we first went to Afghanistan, like he deployed September 12th, uh, 2001 and went over there. And I mean, he was on the flight deck during the initial invasion, like 18 hours a day or some crazy stuff. Like he was Mm -hmm. telling us stories about just like how they barely slept or they slept on the flight deck Mm because they were launching and recovering so many planes. And it's just like, but we were at war. So it's like that. It Okay. Like we're going to demand that of those people in that scenario. Like I get that. Like I understand Definitely. the, the, we got to get this plane up right now. Cause there's guys on the ground that need air support. Okay. Understand all like, let's do it. But when we're not, it's like, why are these people not getting any sleep? Like we should be, we should want them to be in the best possible mental state and, and like as healthy as they could possibly be and as fit as they could possibly be and ready to go so that when that demand signal comes for us to push the envelope that we're, that we're ready and capable of doing that. And it's just mm-hmm. like we don't we don't as a, as a sea service don't take that seriously almost we, universally. Definitely. We definitely don't. Yeah. Kills me, man. Um I feel like we're coming to a natural conclusion, man. Like you got any, like anything else we didn't talk about that you want to? No, man. Just, uh, I, uh, again, like I just want, I want people to really be able to own where they're at. Um, if it doesn't work for you, I, you know, cool. I, I honestly, I deep down in my heart really do hope people find something that makes them happy and can live a, live a happy life. We're seeing what mental health does to people. Um, if if you take my my slogan as fat shame and I apologize, I'm I'm really just trying to to push this envelope of where we're at as a as a fight in force. Um, if people are, are one, if they're in the San Diego area and they 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 need help, they want training, please reach out to me. Um, I have so many options to train and a platform to train that mm-hmm. I want to utilize it. Um, if they're not in the San Diego area and they want to reach out to me, they can. They can reach out. Uh, my Instagram handle is KRM041586. That's my personal one. And then, of course, uh, No Fat Chiefs for the for my brand. Uh, and then on Facebook, Kevin Murphy. Uh, it'll be myself and my dog, Brady, on the, the cover if they need to find me. Um, 
if if people need help, they want to reach out of of where you know if they're overseas, if they're stationed somewhere, you know the great power of the mess is knowing people all over. Right. And there's so many chiefs that do love to work out yeah. and and are inspired by fitness and also have been in bad places themselves and mm-hmm. have made it. So reach out. I'd I'd love to to help you guys out. Um, I'd love I as I'm not a nutritionist, so I can't put you on a diet plan, but I can give you tips. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm here to help. I'm here to make us ready for whatever fight comes our way, and um, uh, I hope I hope people hear it, and I hope they they take it to heart and can make a change in their life. Awesome, yeah, and I'll put all that in the show notes too. So if anybody wants to click the link and and get a hold of you, they can do that. Absolutely, awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, dude. This was this yeah. was awesome. I appreciate your time. It was a great experience. Yeah. <laughs> all right, brother. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I definitely did. I had a lot of fun talking to him uh, where he's probably going to be on again. So stand by for that. Uh, and then if you need to get a hold of him, I put his social media contact information that he mentions uh, during the end of the, at the very end of the podcast in the show notes as well. Uh, so if you need to reference back to that, if, if you want to get a hold of him, if you're in the San Diego area or any other area and you want to link up with him and for some advice on fitness stuff or some kind of direction in that regard, uh, he's definitely open to that, as he said. And then, uh, yeah, I just it was it was fun. I, I like being surprised by people. Um, and that's why I men- mentioned Christina during the podcast as well as like just the I, I make a snap judgment about somebody and I like being wrong. I like getting to find out that um, people are a lot more complex than you often think and their motivations for doing things generally come from a great place. And so I thought that this was a, kind of another example of that. And, and it was it was fun. I'm glad I, I'm glad I did it. And I'm definitely glad that uh, I now have a relationship with with Chief Murphy. Um, I think that he's adding a lot of value in some significant ways, especially with sailors that didn't previously encounter a chief they wanted to be, which is something I've talked about in the past. And now they have. And that's that's big. That's it's it's a big deal that's a very significant leadership accomplishment uh and i, I think it's awesome uh if as always if you need anything from us hit us up don't go up the ship podcast at gmail.com you can facebook message us don't go up the ship podcast or you can hit us up on instagram or reddit you can slide in our dms <laughs> and on discord um at ds podcast or just ds podcast on reddit and uh and I think it's I think you can add us on at DS podcast on Discord. I don't know. Uh, I think that's how you do it, but <laughs> uh, it's new. So yeah, check us out there uh, if you want to link up or reach out or whatever. Uh, post the podcast on Reddit so you can discuss there. And then uh, if you would like, share, subscribe, review on all the platforms for all the things. Leave us a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen to your podcasts. And then just share the content on social media. It helps us get the word out, and I really appreciate it. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship.